You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Laurie R. King. She's the author of the Mary Russell Sherlock Holmes novels. Thank you for joining me, Lori. Always fun. Lori, we're here at SF and SF, and you talked about your beginnings as a writer being in SF. Talk about why science fiction um, attracts writers. Because I, th- I think you can you know, create any number of universes. I mean, with a mystery novel, you, you have certain rules you have to follow, and you have to have something that's vaguely recognizable as reality, but science fiction, you really have very few boundaries. One of the attractions, I think, of the mystery writers, uh, mystery genre, is are those, those rules, because they make it a little bit easier to stay, you know, when you have those rules, there's fewer things you have to think about. So now, you've chosen to write in both. Talk about the decision to write in mystery and, and your decision to write a science fiction novel. What made you uh, write Calypia's Daughters? Well, it, it wasn't because I was not lazy um, write, writing mysteries. No, I think I, I started out writing um, Calypia's Daughters. I wanted to write um, because I had probably read more science fiction at that point than I had mysteries. This would you know, the early 80s. And... I I started the book and found that it was really tough to decide where it was going since there were no rules um, and I could go anywhere and found it really difficult to write that book. Um, and it wasn't until a few years later that I sat down and, and wrote The Beekeeper's Apprentice. And because that one had rules, because that one was a, a mystery, um, and you have to present the mystery, and you have to solve it, and you have to, you know, set things right again. Um, it it was easier to keep myself on track than than the complete um, anarchy of a uh, science fiction book. I did go back and finish Khalifa's Daughters, and I think having having learned how to write um, with the Russell books, it w- it helped a lot to decide where that book was going. Now, you describe the Russell books, in a sense, as fantasy, and, and I would, to a certain extent, a uh, uh, large extent, agree. And I'm wondering, could you talk about the process of keeping this all straight in your mind? I mean, there's so many realities rolling around in there. How do you know which timeline you're in, even when you're here? I mean, maybe there's Mary Russell somewhere in the audience. It, it, it is very, very metafiction. I mean, the, the Mary Russell tweets about her, about her uh, memoirs and, um, and makes reference to meeting me in various places. And, um, and the business of introducing the Russell universe into the Martinelli universe was, was also very tricky and great fun and extremely confusing and, you know, it gives you headaches to try and think, Oh, how did that work? <laughs> is is this one fiction? Is that one fiction? And, and and of course, Russell herself comments in a couple of places that it's it's very peculiar for her to realize that people treat her as fiction. 
now, um, do you have like a, a spreadsheet, a database, a, a timeline, some kind, some kind of something to keep track of all this? Now, now, Rick, you've known me for years. Do you imagine that I am that organized at all? Actually, I'm finding it really, really great to have a community of fans because the fans, you know, I can, I can write out there and say, anybody remember when this happened? And sooner or later, one of them will write back and say, ah, oh, here it is. <laughs> and one of them's putting together a, a book of, um, I forget what she calls it, a plan, plan sheet or, you know, the handbook for Russell. It tells me all these things that I can, <laughs> otherwise I'd long forgotten. Uh, now, um, we t I remember when we talked a while back uh, that the rights for Sherlock Holmes were, were kind of coming into public domain so that the possibility of a movie of the Russell books was, uh, was becoming real. Are we any closer to that? I really don't know. Um, I, I think probably so. The stories themselves are, are in the public domain. But um, whether, you know, whether you'd need the official approval of the family or not, I don't know. Um, could you talk about uh, the, the forthcoming book? Um, y you've kind of been uh, cleaving to the bee themes, and, and I really like this because I think it gives this kind of a, there's a, a creepy obsessiveness about bees, and that go matches the creepy obsessiveness of Sherlock Holmes and probably of his wife. <laughs> creepy obsessiveness. <laughs> You're such a farm boy, Rick. <laughs> You're not creepy and obsessive. Very, very nice, warm, bumbly things. Um, yeah, the the um, the last book, The Language of Bees, um, played with the idea of a community spirit. Um, in a beehive, you have uh, they're all related; they're all the child of the the queen. And in the human side of the story, um, Holmes encounters his son, um, whom he had sort of known years before, but had disappeared from his life. So you have this interesting dynamic between these two people who um, have a lot of unfinished business, who are very similar people, and who speak in, um, in ways that don't need verbalizing, as a hive of bees would. Um, so that, the, that one finished with a certain amount of, a certain amount of the plot up in the air. Um, in fact, I ended the book with those dread words to be continued. Not that the book itself was unfinished, but certain elements of it continued on. And, and that's what this book is. It's called The God of the Hive. And it, uh, with, with the delightful acronym GOTH. So I always wanted to write a GOTH book. And so God of the Hive um, is, is, you know, picks up literally where the language of bees left, left off. And, um, you know, one group in one direction, one group in the other, and Mycroft in the middle. Could you talk about writing a, a duology, essentially, within a, a series, a, a duet? <laughs> a, a duet in the series. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think I've done it to some extent before. O Jerusalem and, and Justice Hall were tied in. They were the same characters and, um, and published, although the time frame in the books is separate. Um, they're, they're, they were published together. Um, it's, I mean, it's tough when you're writing a novel. You really don't want to write a Stephen King-sized novel. I mean, a mystery novel that goes on for 900 pages, probably a bit more than you need. But to have two separate novels that intertwine is, um, is interesting, and it gives you a sort of two-year arc for your story.
were you working on book two when you were writing in book one in your in your mind? No. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I really I really didn't know. And in fact, when I started the book, I got about three pages into it and I thought, oh, crap, <laughs> because there, there was some some element in the in the end of uh, language of bees um, that was far too late to change because it was in print. Um, and it I I it was really not convenient to have that. So, uh, so the whole time I was writing out of the hive, I was like, okay, how am I going to get around this? Because like, I say something about that they, she, she reads some newspaper article when she was in Scotland. And when I finished language reviews, I thought that they were going to Scotland next, but they didn't. <laughs> so, it, it really, no, it would be much easier if I could plan these things. <laughs> And the final thing I want to ask you is, you know, you've lived with Sherlock Holmes and Mary Russell in your brain for a long time. Is there much room left for Laurie King? <laughs> yeah, I sometimes wonder. Um, and in fact, this this year I'll be writing my third in a row of the Russells. And after that, I really, really need to take a break from the twenties because I'm, you know, sort of beginning to, to talk jazz slang, <laughs> and it's it's not going to help me. <laughs> There's a great episode of. Uh, the Outer Limits called Don't Open Till Doomsday where a woman's husband is sucked into a little box in the 20s and she, she's still living in the 20s and dressed up like the 20s and this couple in the 60s when the thing was filmed uh, comes there and finds this woman still living in the 20s. So, so are we going to see you in some, some jazz outfits? And um, Probably so, yes, yes. <laughs> little flappers and old cars and all the rest of it. No, no I, think, I think the bigger danger is, um, is the the Conan Doyle approach, you get so fed up with your characters that you start doing violence to them. You know, you throw them off of cliffs. So, you so, you know, I really have to be careful with this because three in a row, I'm beginning to get pretty fed up with Russell. And um, and I, I think that the way I'm going to get around that is either, either I will have to do some major um, piece of violence to the poor woman or, or else I, I'm thinking that the next one I'm going to write is a farce. Uh, uh, a Russell Holmes farce? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm aiming at a Russell Holmes farce, so you heard it here first. <laughs> I've been speaking with Lori King, and we just heard about a Russell Holmes farce. We're going to look forward to that, Lori. I, I'm holding you to that. 2011, babe. There we go. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Lori. <laughs> Thank you. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.